Well, I thank the Lord for the opportunity to share some matters in this kind of uh, video conference. But I believe that the Lord is able to flow uh, from the throne and through us to one another, through his word, even though we're not physically together. And so I have prepared and exercised and considered just as much, if not more, than if I were actually there with you in the meeting hall in the church in San Francisco or in the conference center. When the brothers sent me the invitation with the request of having these meetings plus two other kind of live meetings. Of course, they are always fully open to what leading, what burden I might have from the Lord. But they faithfully shared their feeling that they would really appreciate some fellowship, some ministry on shepherding. And I believe they did so realizing that inwardly, as indicated by one of the messages from Jeremiah training, there's a lot of feeling, burden, concern, a hope regarding this. And in a little while, maybe in 20 minutes or so, I'll come to the outline, but now at the beginning of what I'm sharing, I'd really like to have a, a brother to brother and sister conversation. Shepherding. You now hear the word again, shepherding. What does that bring up in your mind? What do you spontaneously think and feel and maybe even expect? And it's understandable if some would be saying inwardly, we've heard much about this. We've had conferences, an elder's training, maybe more than one, was devoted to this. And we've heard messages about this. I'm aware of that. I don't deny that. Or there might be the thought that, um, yes, uh, I'm lacking in this, so maybe there will be a, an exhortation, a charge, an encouraging word, almost a plea, will you shepherd more? We are God-men, we are members of the body, but we are human beings with an active soul. I mean that positively in the functions of our soul. And we're not in a void. 
we hear the word shepherding, and, and automatically that kind of triggers off, like I said, certain thoughts and feelings. And I want to address this first. There may be some brand new ones or newer ones or newly saved ones listening to this, that this is the first time they're hearing something regarding shepherding. And they may remember part of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But this is an extremely crucial matter the shepherding and mutuality or the building up of the body of Christ. But I want to assure you from the beginning, I have no intention of exhorting you to shepherd more, set aside time to be with this person or that person or meet with these saints and those saints and try to help them. I have no intention, no leading, no burden, no feeling to just exhort, to appeal, to instill any kind of feeling of obligation. None of that works. None of it's beneficial. And it's really not the way of God himself in Christ as the Spirit. So I want to share a few points that I hope will open all of us afresh and by the Lord's mercy to be poor in spirit regarding this matter of shepherding. We don't deny what we've heard, what we've learned, whatever we have experienced, but that is from the past. If we could all be humbled before the Lord and his word and be poor in spirit and open, be an open vessel to receive something from the Lord's heart, I believe these three meetings, pre-recorded as they are, will have at least some organic benefit. So there are three or four underlying matters of the burden that I will share in the three messages. The first is, we are not able to shepherd anyone. The only one who can shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Only he could say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He dies for them so that they eventually may have the divine life within him. 
And we know from Hebrews that Christ is the great shepherd in his heavenly ministry right now. This is his primary function in his heavenly ministry. Is shepherding the church to carry out the New Testament. And in 1 Peter 5, when our brother Peter, the apostle, is addressing the elders, he refers to Christ as the chief shepherd. In Revelation chapter 17, which is a glimpse of our life together in eternity. Toward the end of that chapter, the Lord says that the Lord will shepherd us and guide us to springs of waters of life. So eternally, the all-inclusive Christ will not only be the King, the Lord, our husband, he will be a shepherd. I say again, and I might repeat this frequently, only Christ himself can be a shepherd and only he can shepherd. And now I bring in that wonderful definition of shepherding that our dear brother Lee left with us. Shepherding is to render all-inclusive, tender care to God's flock. All-inclusive, tender care. All-inclusive. That means the various needs of our tripartite being, of every aspect of our life, are included. Our spirit, soul, and body interact all the time. The body affects the soul. The spirit affects the body and the soul. So only Christ can care for us all-inclusively. And it's all-inclusive, tender care. Now, according to our various dispositions and personalities, there may be a certain range of tenderness in our natural humanity, and some are just kind of very soft-hearted by nature. Others, they're quite strong in their character, and it's not easy to be tender with anyone. But none of it matters. Only Christ, our shepherd, can render to us all-inclusive tender care. So the first matter is that more and more we need to know him as the good shepherd 
the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, and the eternal shepherd. Then the second matter, the second point here, is that we need to be directly and personally shepherded by him ourselves. And now I mention at this juncture another aspect of Christ being a shepherd. And that is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. Christ is the shepherd of our souls. He is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Well, right now, as I'm speaking this to you and with you, and you are there, in our regenerated spirit dwells Christ as the pneumatic shepherd. He, with all these aspects of being the shepherd, is inside of us watching over us in order to render all-inclusive tender care. And as Peter points out in that verse, he is the shepherd of our souls. Now, my brothers and sisters, we come to this principle we can shepherd others only to the extent that we have been shepherd, shepherded directly and personally by the Lord himself. And we have been shepherded by saints who have the riches of Christ to a high degree wrought into them, who have really supplied us and cared for us at critical times. I remember way back in the late 70s, after a church meeting, an older brother, at least 20 years older than I, he was not an elder, but a faithful serving brother. And this was after the upheaval of 78, that turmoil. And he had a brief conversation with me after the meeting, and he said, Ron, you have been hurt. You have been hurt by certain things that happened. And then he made one or two other comments, not trying to change me in any way. But the Lord shepherded me through him because I had been wounded, even betrayed. And I decided inwardly, I will never open myself to anyone in the church again. I can't trust anyone with what I would share. And through those few words, 
the Lord began to shepherd my soul. To pour oil and wine into the wound. And then to train me how to have fellowship. To whom to open, what to open, how much to open. And so the more we have experienced Christ as the good shepherd who laid down his life for us so that the Zoe life in him would flow into us. And the more we have been personally cared for by him in all the stages in Psalm 23 that we know exceedingly well. We know what it is with a shepherd to make us lie down. Just to stop and lie down on green pastures and be refreshed. We know and experience what it means to be led by the quiet waters, the still waters. Now we're moving, but yet the waters are so peaceful and life-imparting. Then we have experienced in a detailed way our shepherd leading us on the paths of righteousness shepherding us to be righteous in every way with God and with all others, believers or not, with the government. And then, as many of us can testify, even as sometimes an entire church can testify, we were walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We had to walk through this dark time. But my shepherd, with his rod and staff, were comforting us. Then we know what it means to be on the battlefield, enjoying a feast prepared for us. And we know what it means to be brought into the house of God, the church, God's goal. And we've learned that this is a cycle. Green pasture, quiet waters, paths of righteousness, valley of the shadow of death, a feast on the battlefield, the Father's house. So spontaneously, we can shepherd others, care for them, to the extent to which we personally have been shepherded. Now, there are two other points. And none of these are on the outline because when I worked on the outline, I didn't have this leading and this moving of the Spirit. This is something fresh that began earlier this morning. So I need to follow the leading of my shepherd, who is shepherding me now. So the next point, the third point is, because only Christ can shepherd. And when we come to know him more and more as the shepherd and experience him <clears throat> as the shepherd in many aspects, 
our being is opened to be constituted with this shepherding Christ. Now, the Christ who's making his, his home in our heart, the Christ who is our life, the Christ who dwells in us as the hope of glory, the Lord who is with our spirit, the Lord with whom we are one spirit. He is now seeking the opportunity to live again, this time through us, a shepherding life. And he doesn't do this by giving commandments. Say this, do this, go there. No, he wants to live again his shepherding life inside of us. And that is based on his constituting himself into us, making us believe it or not, the same as he is in so many ways. And then spontaneously we live out according to what we are as someone being constituted with Christ. So if there's a dear saint who really knows very little about Christ as the shepherd and has not experienced him very much as the shepherd and is in an early stage of the growth in life, we should not, I will not, give a kind of charge to that one. Oh, you need to be more active in shepherding as an activity. I would just recognize, okay, you're saved. You know you're saved. And you have eternal life and your sins are forgiven. You know this. You can shepherd a gospel friend to the Savior. This you'll do just effortlessly. But I'm not going to lay upon anyone a burden that they're not prepared to carry. Rather, as what I'm trying to do now in this conversation with you, is to direct all of us to the Lord himself. As the good shepherd, great shepherd, chief shepherd, eternal shepherd, as the shepherd of our soul who is shepherding us personally, as the all-inclusive Christ being wrought into our being so that he can live in us and through us his shepherding life, then the shepherding will be truly organic. And I can't think of a, an adequate illustration but I think maybe the most applicable one is a mother 
She doesn't need to be charged to do this or that or be this or that to her children. Her whole being, she is a mother. Her whole being is ready to be poured out, even sacrificed, for her children. And even when the children are adults, inwardly, she can never stop the all-inclusive tender care. She didn't take a course and just learn principles and try to improve herself. She lived out what she is. And this brings us to the last of the four points. And the sequence here, I believe, is significant according to uh, the Lord's leading. Brother Lee, in the last few years of his ministry, when he was releasing the high peak truths in many aspects, based upon his ministering thoroughly and faithfully concerning the God-ordained way with the need to practice the scriptural way of meeting and serving and of having meetings in homes and having vital groups and vital companions, he began to speak in various ways about what he called a new revival. Not another revival, but a new unprecedented revival that will bring this age to an end. This new revival will consummate God's economy to such an extent that the body will be built up, the bride will be prepared, and the Lord will come back. And we have had conferences on a new revival more than once. And what are the three aspects? And although my memory is still very keen and active, I don't trust my memory. I wanted to go back to some of the ministry material and outlines produced and messages given to be sure I'm remembering accurately. And these are the three aspects of the new revival in a very important sequence. The first is the high peak of the divine revelation. We need to see the vision that in Christ, God became man so that we, the believers in Christ, may become God in life and in nature, but not in the Godhead and not as an object of worship. 
And in the life study of First and Second Chronicles, Brother Lee points out that if we realize this, that we are God-men, we are becoming God in life and nature, as we are becoming Jesusly human, if we personally realize and can say, I'm a God-man, this will revolutionize our living. We're just reminded, here a husband and wife are having what I can, with a smile, called an animated conversation. They're having a dispute, probably not in the spirit, as so many of us know. Let's suppose one of the two, this as a fresh realization. I'm a God-man. I should be a God-man in my married life. And so I have to stop. I can't say anything more. I'm convicted. Just having the teaching won't help us much. Clinging to the doctrine also doesn't provide much help, although it's necessary. We need to realize this. Then the second aspect is the God-man living. Not only personally, but even more corporately. The God-man living. A life of being conformed to the mold of Christ's death. To know Christ and the power of his resurrection. To live in the mingled spirit. To walk according to the spirit. To live out John fourteen nineteen, where the Lord said, Because I live, you also shall live. And we live out Galatians 2.20, Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live in faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So the God-man living is a living out in an actual and practical way of what we are becoming in the process of growing to maturity as a God-man. Then we can have the third aspect, shepherding in mutuality. Do you see the importance of the sequence? The shepherding is an organic aspect of our God-man living. And please don't, in your thinking, replace the word living with behaving. Behaving is done deliberately and is usually not real. Living is spontaneous. It's genuine in its spontaneity. And we're living all the time. 
And then one aspect of this God-man living is just having the longing, the desire, the burden, the concern to participate in mutual shepherding. We don't have two categories. The shepherd, maybe those are the elders, perhaps some co-workers. The rest of us are sheep. That's a subtle version of clergy laity. We all are sheep and we all are shepherds. And so now we're about to come and go through outline one on the urgent need of shepherding. But I present this message according to the outline based upon this fourfold realization. So I'm not going to, again I say, appeal to you. Please do more shepherding. Please find someone to help. Many of us, we have tried again and again to carry out sincere exhortations from brothers taking the lead. Maybe for a little while we did something, but it doesn't work. But it's when we know Christ, experience Christ, and be constituted with Christ and realize more and more that we are God-men and learn more and more to live a God-man life, then part of our being, part of our living, will be caring for one another, all-inclusively and tenderly. And every one of us will realize, at least to a significant degree, we have the heart and we have the capacity in the indwelling shepherd, Christ. We can care for others. In an all-inclusive way, not only spiritually, but in their human needs, in their situations. We just care for them tenderly. And we do this not out of an obligation. Oh, I'm now now an elder. I I didn't shepherd people before, but now that's part of my job. So you keep a time card. This is not real. I say again, what's true of a mother is true of a father. As a dad, just like all of you dads, I poured out everything for my daughter and sons to fulfill all my responsibility in love, to work in order to support them, to care for their education, whatever it is. This is just part of being a dad. What I'm trying to say is, when we come to the urgent need of shepherding, 
is not something that we should feel obligated to do because a co-worker sitting in a conference room talking to a video and through that video talking to us is speaking concerning shepherding and then maybe for a while we have some feeling about it and then it evaporates. So I myself need to be turned again and again to Christ the shepherd through Christ in his shepherding, to Christ as our constituent, to be recovered again and again to the high peak truth, to God-man living, and then the issue will be the very subject of this conference, shepherding in mutuality, for the building up of the body of Christ. I want to read to you something Brother Lee said in the book, The Vital Groups, pages 55 and 56. If we practice these things, there will be a real revival in the Lord's recovery. We all must be shepherds with the loving and forgiving heart of our Father God in his divinity and the shepherding and finding spirit of our Savior Christ in his humanity. We also must have the heavenly vision of all the divine and mystical teachings of Christ. Shepherding and teaching are the obligation of the vital groups and the basic way ordained by God to build up the body of Christ, consummating in the new Jerusalem. And while I'm reading, no, I have that. Okay. So you just see when the Lord, throughout their recovery, with a significant number of saints in every local church, when he can have this shepherding and mutuality based upon the God-men living and all the matters I presented to you as feebly as was the attempt concerning Christ, that will bring in the final revival. And that will lead to the end of the age because this mutual shepherding will build up the body and prepare the bride. Now, and I just need about 30 more minutes. I wanted to stay within the range of 70 and 75 minutes per message because that's just a proper measure, I believe. We'll go through this outline point by point based upon all that I've been saying for the last 40 minutes. Point one, in the Lord's recovery today, there is an urgent need of shepherding. 
for the building up of the body of Christ. So this is a true statement, of course. But we need to consider before the Lord, is it urgent in me? Can all the leading brothers and all the elders truly say to the Lord, to each other, to the saints, the need for, of shepherding is urgent, urgent. The great lack, the great lack among us is in the matter of shepherding. I see a typo here. I have greats. Maybe this will be corrected. I don't know. But I meant to say greatest. The greatest lack among us is the matter of shepherding. That's Brother Lee's assessment. I distrust that assessment. To shepherd is to take all-inclusive, tender care of the flock. There's that definition. Doesn't that warm your heart? To take, to render, all-inclusive, tender care of the flock as a whole and every sheep. In his organic salvation, God the Father first regenerates us by God the Spirit and then shepherds us in the Son as our shepherd that we may grow and exist in the divine life. This is the triune God here. The Father regenerating by God the Spirit then shepherding us in the Son, that we may grow, and then I'm struck with this, and exist in the divine life. My brothers and sisters, may I ask this? At any time in your Christian life, especially within the context of the church life, in the Lord's recovery. Have you ever wondered, you're just considering this in the Lord's presence, how can I go on, just exist another day? I believe there's many of us, even this year, in the midst of the complex situation, there's just times when you wonder, I cannot bear it anymore. I've longed and longed to be an overcomer. I just, I don't know how to go on. When four and a half years ago, when my wife, my first wife, she went to be with the Lord. My cry before the Lord was, How do I live? I'm not even sure I know who I am. How can I exist? And at other times, this is not self-pity. This is not shallow depression. This is a deep sense. I can't live without you, Lord. I can't live 
without the life supply in the body. Shepherding the believers is crucial for their growth in the divine life unto maturity for the building up of the body of Christ. Shepherding, growth, maturity, building. From time to time, according to the Lord's leading and burdening in the last two or three decades, I've given messages or I've had fellowship on what I commonly refer to as the third stage of the experience of life, according to that book by that name. And I have observed without being judgmental or critical a considerable number of saints from my generation, meaning those who came in in the 60s or early 70s. Many left. Yes, many left. But of those dear ones who have remained to realize They haven't grown for 20 or 30 years. Brother Lee had the perfecting training in around 1981 because of this burden. And one reason that so many saints have not yet fully passed through the third stage of the experience of life is the lack of shepherding of those who have gone at least a little bit ahead of them and understand where they are and care for them. I believe it's accurate to say there hasn't been that much active shepherding with the saints beyond Clearing the past, consecration, dealing with sin, dealing with the world, dealing with the conscience. Follow, obey the teaching of the anointing, know the Lord's will. But to help the saints pass through the stage of the cross in a loving and tender way, there's a great need. And I've told the trainees at FTTXB, when in fellowship with others, I designed this class for them on the third stage. We can save you 10 years, 10 years of wandering. We have not arrived, but we are still somewhat ahead of you in the growth in life. And we care for you And we'd like to see you not lose time, but the Lord may gain you. Even just having this kind of loving concern can really melt someone's heart and say, yes, I'm open to this. E, we need to be under the organic shepherding of Christ. 
and to be one with him to shepherd others. So this goes back to my opening part of the message. I wouldn't call it an opening word. It was the first major part of the message. We need to be under the organic shepherding of Christ. Then we need to be one with him. Then we can render all-inclusive tender care to someone else. Key point two, the two basic elements of shepherding are cherishing and nourishing. To cherish is to comfort, to soothe, to nurture with tender love, and to foster with tender care. This is what Paul mentioned in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. He said, I was like a nursing mother, an exhorting father with you. This is how he was caring for the whole church. To comfort, not to pity in our natural life, to comfort, to soothe. Have there not been times when you needed comfort? You needed something soothing? You needed to be nurtured with tender love, not a rebuke, not a mere exhortation, not someone quoting the Bible or quoting the ministry and using it like a hammer, but tender love and to foster with tender care. In shepherding others, we should first cherish them to make them happy. And then we should nourish them. So let me ask, okay, gently, are you happy? In any given day, any given week, how happy are you? There's a proverb somewhere in the book of Proverbs that a joyful heart just strengthens our being. And we know from Hebrews 13, I'm not talking now to elders, but the principle applies to us all. Paul talks to the leading ones and he talks to the saints to have the proper relationship with these leading ones. He said they watch over your souls. Well, the Lord is watching over our soul. Elders are overseers. They're not spying and keeping a record of saints' defects. They're watching over them. And they realize this brother, this sister, has no joy. Recently, in recent weeks, one very experienced sister in pure fellowship just commented to me about a sister somewhat younger. And she said, Ron, she has no joy. No joy. 
This is not just for one time. This is her demeanor, her countenance. Then then should we exhort someone to be happy? That doesn't work. We nourish them. We cherish them. But how can we do this, dear saints, if we're not happy in Jesus? I don't mean a shallow psychological happiness because you got something, whatever, that makes you joyful. I mean under the Lord's care. Remember the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We all know Brother Nee said at the end through that letter, I have kept my joy. How could he do this? It's because of the Lord's shepherding and tender care. The Lord did not release him from that confinement, but he shepherded him. We all need this directly from the Lord and we need it from one another. We all need this. And we all can participate in this to a certain extent as Christ is growing in us. Okay, point three. Shepherding should be accompanied by teaching. And the reference there is Ephesians uh, 4.11. When Paul is listing the gifts given to the body for the perfecting of the saints, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers. They're both shepherds and teachers. So shepherding needs to be accompanied by teaching. I remember way back when I was in Irving, Texas, and just serving with the children in the Summer School of Truth, I shared some things, and a number of times this young one would say, that's just what my mother taught me. And the mother was not a professor, not a public school teacher. She was a mother who taught like a loving, cherishing mother. We can all do this. Shepherding depends on teaching. If we cannot teach, we cannot shepherd. So if I want to shepherd someone concerning dealing with the self, and I don't know any of the truth, I don't have the verses like Romans 6, 6, and Galatians 2, 20, and Galatians 4, 5.24.25 I just have feeling a loving concern that's very good but there needs to be the organic parental teaching to accompany the shepherding so if we don't know the truth and we cannot teach then how can we speak even your heart is full of love yet How can you express that the other can receive? 
Shepherding and teaching go together. So we want to avoid the other extreme, just to teach people. And especially the brothers need to learn a lot here. That you just give objective teaching and passing on information and doctrines, even if they're true. But there's not the life supply. There's not the cherishing. But you think you're shepherding because you talked for a while, presented all these points of truth, but there was the shortage of the all-inclusive tender care. Shepherding and teaching are our obligation as a charge given to us by the Lord. That's right. The Lord has the authority to give us these directions. And we should agree with them and say, Amen. Then we should say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. And the Lord is waiting for us to hear this because he knows we can't do it. Then he would say, let me do it. Let me live in you and do this. This is the basic way ordained by God for the building up of the body of Christ to consummate his eternal goal, the new Jerusalem. I mean, wow, what a statement. If you want the church where you are to really be built up according to Ephesians 2.22, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in spirit. And that follows verse 21, obviously, which speaks of the body universally. All the temple is growing in the Lord. And so one way the Lord, not me or anyone else, but the Lord, would consider the condition of any church or of the Lord's recovery as a whole He may take one criterion. How much building is there? Is there the corporate expression? That's building. Yes, you've been successful in this matter and that matter and all those things are necessary. But is there building? Now, they're the builders. And here... Shepherding with teaching are intrinsically related to the building up of the body of Christ. And until the body is built up, the Lord cannot and will not come back. And the body will not be built up without shepherding in mutuality based upon the high peak of the divine revelation and the God-men living. I hope this will penetrate all of us, but especially to those who bear responsibility. This is not an elders' conference, an elders' training, or I would be more direct to the extent to which the brothers are open and receptive. Is there the building This is the goal. Point four. 
Shepherding is to take care of the children of God by feeding them. By feeding them. And the reference is John 21. Shepherd my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed. To feed. With nourishing spiritual food. And you are aware that this dear one needs this life supply. And they need this much. And you feed. Many of us can testify. We've been in fellowship with saints. And after we go home from that meeting, we sense, wow, we were so supplied by everyone. It's like we had a mini love feast. Everybody brought some healthy spiritual food. That is shepherding. The work of shepherding is the work of feeding. Shepherding by feeding is a part of the God-man living. So here we see the connection again. We don't separate this and say, go shepherd, go feed people. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what the Bible says. The ministry says we need to do this. No, it's part of our God-man living. The shepherd's feeding is not only for believers' daily salvation, but also for their maturity in the divine life, which is needed for the God-men to be built up, to build, to build up the body, to be built. The goal is the building. If the Lord does not bring forth the shepherding and mutuality right now and in the, you know, not the near future, the immediate future, he may have to wait for another generation before he can come back. We don't want that. Now we go on to point five. The shepherding that builds up the body of Christ is a mutual shepherding. And this is a basic principle of the body, of the body life, and of the God-ordained way. The principle of mutuality. I have a portion, and I would like to release my portion through fellowship to others. And all these other saints have a portion that I do not have. The only way I can partake of that is that they are shepherding, they are releasing. And again and again, I speak to the trainees in the full-time training when there's a time of sharing after a lesson or a message, I say, please, if you're about to say something, but another trainee has said the same point exactly that you wanted to share, don't uh, be bothered by that. 
Only you have a particular portion. And you may speak the same point objectively. But as you're speaking, you're supplying us with the grace you have. And I experienced this Tuesday morning. Both before and after the lesson, when the trainees were speaking, every one of them supplied something. This is mutuality. There needs to be an atmosphere of mutuality and of realization, I cannot live without Christ, I cannot live without the body. And I treasure every member with that member's portion. All believers, regardless of their stage of spiritual growth, need shepherding. We all have defects and shortcomings and need others to shepherd us. This is just a fact. We all know this. All of us need to be under the organic shepherding of Christ and to be one with him to shepherd others. And this is a repeat from another angle of a point made previously. We need to be under the organic shepherding of Christ and be one with him. C. We are both sheep and shepherds. Shepherding and being a shepherd, shepherded in mutuality. Through this shepherding, the church is built up into the body of Christ. Now, it may be easy for most of the saints to realize, I'm a sheep, I'm a sheep. But when this brother is with us, oh, he's the shepherd. He's a shepherd. Oh, when he's there meeting with us in our home, he's the shepherd. I'm just a sheep. But that brother, if he's enlightened and has been dealt with by the Lord, he doesn't have that view of himself. He said, I'm a shepherd and you're a shepherd. You're a sheep and I'm a sheep. They do not have categories. The upper category, they're the shepherds, the elders and the co-workers, and the genuinely spiritual older sisters. The rest of us are just sheep. No. That's why, again, with the trainees, when I'm trying to make this point, I asked them two questions, but the second question only is really important. I asked them, do you think I can shepherd you? And of course, they would all agree. But my real question is the second one. Do you realize you can shepherd me? I'm old enough to be your grandfather. I came into the Lord's recovery before your parents were born. But I'm, I'm still a sheep. And I'm willing to be shepherded by anyone in the body. In the last section, we need to shepherd the flock of God according to the loving and tender heart of our Father God and according to the seeking and shepherding spirit 
of our Savior Christ. So now we have a section on this point. The loving and tender heart of our Father God. Always. Even if someone has had a very serious failure. And there must be some restriction. Even some discipline. Righteousness requires that. But the brothers do this with the loving and tender heart of the Father God. If they can only carry out the judgment and the discipline, they don't know the Father. They don't have the heart of the Father. Like fathers, when they had to discipline their children, you must do it for their own development, to train their conscience, their character. But you may do it sometimes with tears in your eyes. And this applies to every member of the body in every situation. The heart of the Father must be here. And and it's tender. Even when we're carrying out something, there's a tenderness. And the recipient knows They may be clearer than you could ever realize. They know what's going on. They know what kind of person is talking to them. They know the way they're speaking. They know they're wrong, but they also realize you also are off in your own way. But they can't say anything because they're the problem one. And we need the seeking seeking and shepherding spirit of our Savior Christ. We miss someone. Where are they? Lord, you would seek them out. You would find them. We need to shepherd one another in love. In love. In God. In the nature of God's essence. In the content of God's inner being. We shepherd because we love. It's as simple as that. Because I love you. I shepherd you. Because you love me as your brother. You care for me. You cherish me. You nourish me. You encourage me. And this love is mutual. And in this love, we're building up the body. Love is the most excellent way to be anything and to do anything. God has given us a spirit of love. Since God is love, and since we have been regenerated by God to be his species, we should be love. This is the high peak applied experientially. God is love. We are becoming God in life and nature. So we are becoming God as love. Not in the Godhead. This attribute is shared with us. And love is not simply an action. It's our being. God is love. And he is reproducing himself as love in us. We should be love. 
Because I say again now as I'm ending, whether or not we shepherd depends on our being, on what we are. And the more we become love, the more we will love without limit. We will love wisely, but without any discrimination. And the brother or sister will sense this. There's a heart of love here. So I am open to receive this fellowship. The body of Christ builds itself up in love. In order for the body to build itself up in love, we may have mutual, we must have mutual shepherding in love among one another. Sooner or later, the Lord will bring in the new revival. Now or sometime in the future, with us or with others, he will see on the earth the God-man living and a shepherding life. And he will watch the body being built up. And then the time will be at hand. And the Lord will come back for his bride. I, along with you, hope and pray that the Lord will not have to wait for another generation. He will accomplish this now. And we have the privilege and the honor and the blessing of participating in this final move to participate in the new revival to build up the body in love by shepherding in mutuality. Well, may the Lord minister directly to all of us, shepherd all of us, and we'll continue by his mercy and grace in message number two the next day. Okay? Bye for now.